Alrighty, so today um, I kind of want you to view me as Moses. You know, I might stutter a little bit or something, so like I just want to put myself in Moses' position. You know, so if I stutter or stumble, you know, don't judge. You know, um, you know, preaching is kind of like uh, being a hip hop artist. Um, I do hip hop. Sometimes you want to sound like this guy. You know, you want to sound like that guy. And so with preaching. Uh, one of my favorite preachers is Martin Luther King, you know, and so uh, sometimes I just feel like, you know, the drum major, you know, and so I, <laughs> but today, today I'm going to try to be myself, you know, and, and not project that voice. So, uh, <laughs> so today as we talk through our uh, theological vision and the way we see the world, uh, we really see how, um, Two different churches can approach two different challenges differently, can approach challenges differently. And so uh, as the refuge, we've been talking through our theological vision, which I'm actually going to read to you now. And we're going to go through our take on how we take on specific challenges. And so uh, our theological vision reads Christ healing community, which uh, Daniel preached on last week. Uh, today we are on a church of the city. Uh, then we'll be going through incarnating King Jesus in city life, speaking its language, singing its rhythms, sharing spaces, freeing the oppressed, fighting injustice, finding people of peace, and inviting the city into the kingdom of God. And so today our mission uh, of being the church of the city um, we're going to talk through that. And so being a church of the city is different than being a church in the city. You know, it's easy to be of something but not a part of it. You know, you can live in a neighborhood and not necessarily be a neighbor. And so we really want to focus on being a church of the city because that's what we desire to be as a church. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't really have any Christian influences in my life besides my mother. And so um, as a young adolescent, you know, just trying to figure out uh, what this life is all about, you know, uh, it kind of made me wonder, you know, where's the church at? You know, I've seen um, the church feed the homeless, clothe the homeless, and things like that, you know, but my heart really speaks, you know, for the inner city youth who may have a home, but you know, feel like sports or music is their ultimate satisfaction in life. You know, um, I did a song called Ghetto Boy Dreams, which, speak to, which speaks towards the, um, the kids in the ghetto who, uh, urban communities, who normally just have this dream of being a rap star or a professional basketball player and things like that. And, um, and it just makes you wonder, like, why don't they inspire to be like Christ? You know, uh, how many kids today do you know say they want to be a preacher when they grow up? You know, and so same thing for gang members, drug dealers who feel like territory and money is something that's worth dying for. Uh, why don't they see that Christ is worth dying for? You know, or even, you know, young card players who's really into anime and magic cards, like who feel like they're not accepted by a dominant culture, you know. Um, and why don't they feel accepted by God? You know, and so. um I feel like these, these people should know that God loves them and that God does accept them where they are at and that they can be a part of God's family as who they are. And so uh, 
you know, one thing that Jesus said is that the harvest is plenty. You know, um, there's a lot of work to be done, you know, and um, the workers are few. But perhaps some workers, you know, feel like, you know, it isn't their calling to reach out, you know, to certain people. You know, um, I used to have this mindset, you know, especially when it came to homosexuals. I used to say, hey, that's not my calling, you know, to reach out to them, you know. But it is our calling, you know, because God's heart is for all people. And so um, this just brings us to a place of how are we going to be a church of the city? And so um, as we see in many churches today, um, we see that they are, quote unquote, dying out. Um, I had a friend who recently told me that he went to a local church and um, he said that just the congregation was just aging and like just dying out. And he said it was sad. And so um, he's not a regular church goer, but he just really wanted to check it out. And so um, it just made me think personally, like, you know, where's the young people, you know, who's going to carry the torch, you know, when we leave? You know, um, why aren't new people coming in giving their lives to Jesus? And so, um, you know, that's an issue. And so, um, you know, we went from a point in time where uh, preaching, evangelism, going to church, seminary school was just popular amongst American culture, you know, even people so... Uh, Bibles door to door, you know, they had Bible salesmen, you know, so um, and so now American culture has changed so much and what are, how are we responding as the church? Um, we see that uh, from statistics it says that most teenagers listen to about 2.5 hours of music each day and they receive about 35 references of drugs and violence uh, per hour of music they listen to and so why isn't the goodness of God something they want to hear about? You know, why do they want to hear about that? And so, um, yeah, and even uh, 2011, it says that the NFL reported they had 200 million viewers in the United States, which that's a lot because we only have like 350 million people here. And so uh, during most games on the Sunday, you know, that season, 200 million people were watching the watching the games. And so uh, with us being the sixth most unchurched, um, county in the United States, um, why do people feel like they can belong at a football game more than they belong at church? And so um, as we see the desire to be at church is decreasing as even attendance has decreased to below 20% of American culture attend church. And so what are we doing to show people the beauty of the gospel and how exciting this is? And so um, how do we become a church of the city? So this uh, reminds me of a similar story in the Bible of Apostle Paul who hated Jesus. You know, he hated Christians. He killed them. And in his experience uh, with Jesus, um, his life was turned around and he lived for Jesus. And so um, in this story, Paul goes to a city where, where people don't want to be at church. You know, people don't want to hear about God. And so um, just to correlate that together, we're going to read about Paul's experience with this. And so let's turn to Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. I also want to 
I don't think Dave is here right now, but I just want to tell him thank you and ask for forgiveness. Uh, I came in today, and and uh, our printer is down in the office, so I wasn't able to print, so I hooked up to his uh, personal printer by his desk. <laughs> it's that saying that says, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. So, <laughs> All right, so in uh, Acts 17, verses 16 through 34, so it's a lot of reading, but just bear with me as we dive into scriptures. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and Gent- both Jews and God-fearing Greeks. I'm used to hearing Jews and Gentiles. So. As well as the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, it seems to, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to, new, to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. All that Paul, at that Paul left the council, some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among among them were Dionysius and a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demaris, and a number of others. So, uh, I don't know how to pronounce most of the names in the Bible. I hope y'all relate. 
And so I'm going to tell this story in modern terms. Um, you know, let's say Paul is walking down Crenshaw Boulevard in L.A. You know, he runs into a group of gang members who call him a church boy, you know, explaining himself why he is in their hood, and he talks to them about the gospel, which leads to them to take him to the lead gang member. And talking about God and their culture, Paul says, even your own kind, Tupac, asks their heaven for a G. Then Paul explains the good news in a way that they understand, and some are willing to lay down that lifestyle to follow Jesus. And so that might seem foreign to some of you, um, but, you know, that's how Jesus met me, you know, just, um, you know, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to sell drugs out of the house. That's where I became a Christian, too, the same house, you know, I did that out of, you know, just reading the scriptures and uh, God revealing himself to me. And so... uh, with the scriptures we just read, you know, what does this look like for us as a church? Um, so I have three points here. Uh, Paul shares the life of the city. Uh, so Paul passed along, you know, and observed the objects they worshipped and used this as a means of ministering to them by even quoting their own poets. And so uh, let's say, you know, I'm in a situation where I'm talking to a group of scientists, you know, uh, they talking about science and uh, how the work, the world came into existence and all that stuff. And I'm talking about God. Oh, God, you know, created the world. And they're trying to figure out the chances. And then what if I was to quote Albert Einstein and say, God does not play dice, you know? Or what if I'm at a country concert talking to a group of, you know, people who love country music, and I'm talking about God, and one of them tells me, hey, I tried praying to God, but it was a waste of time, you know? And um, what if I was to quote Garth Brooks and say, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, you know. And so basically Paul was an outsider and he stepped into their world. You know, he used what they knew and wanted to know about God in order to minister to him. And so our second point is Paul built relationships, um, which this could be scary and uncomfortable. You know, uh, people, you know, not accepting you. They called him a babbler. They sneered at him. Um, and, you know, honestly, this is the same thing that's probably kept people from volunteering here at the Coffee Oasis because it can be scary and uncomfortable. And so it's easy to avoid others because our lives are different. You know, uh, even for me, when I when I get around people now that uh, sell drugs, regardless if I had that past lifestyle, uh, it can be uncomfortable at times, you know, because our lives are so different. You know, I'm not as angry as I used to be, I'm not, I don't hate the world like how I used to, and things like that, so it can feel uncomfortable. Um, and same thing, you know, for me when, um, you know, with homosexuals, like, you know, uh, just over this past year, I developed a friendship with a girl that comes to our center, and she's homosexual, and, you know, I overcame that uncomfortable feeling, you know, I even got an opportunity to, to mentor one, too, so it's, uh yeah, so basically, Paul built relationships regardless, regardless if it was scary and uncomfortable. And so, um, third, Paul is invited in. You know, uh, Paul is invited into their community to share his life. You know, Paul seeks, he observes what they do. You know, he even gets some, some of what their poet says, you know, things like that. And uh, for him participating in their life, you know, they invite him to share his life with them. And so, um, you know, even Daniel talked about last week with uh, Jesus being invited back into the Samaritan's uh, city, you know, after he interacted with the Sumerian woman. 
Samaritan woman. And so uh, this actually reminds me of the uh, respect factor of uh, outreach. Uh, when you go on outreach, um, you know, we're not in our teen center. We're not at the coffee oasis, so we can't enforce our rules. And so you may walk into, you know, situations where kids are using drugs, you know, talking however they want. You know, they can be very inappropriate, all of those things. And so you're in their territory. But just respecting them where they are at, they tend to respect you back, and you're able to share your life with them. And so why does Paul do this? Uh, that's our next question. And so we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Wrong book. Alrighty. So, make sure I'm in the right chapter. Is it Second Corinthians nine? Oh, verse nineteen. I was in verse nine. Yep. So. Though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. As to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under the law of Christ, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak. I have become all things to people, so that by all means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I share may share in its blessings. And so, Paul did it for the sake of the gospel. You know, just wanting to see that people... All people, that God's heart is for all people. That God's heart is that all people be invited into his family. That's the reason why Paul do it, did it. And so that there wouldn't be no separation between Jews and Gentiles, that we will all know God's love. You know, that all people, whether it's rap artist, country artist, whether it's gang member or prep boy, you know, all people are invited into his family. And so there are people waiting for us to come into their lives. You know, as we see this, um, we can even look at the corrupt tax collector Zacchaeus who invited Jesus in into his home for dinner. And so that's what Paul did. He engaged in their culture with the gospel. As Acts 17, 28 says, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. He uses something that they identify with in order to um, minister to them because they related to that. And so. Paul literally became all things so that he may win some. And as we see, he won some, not all. And so uh, I, just really wanna, I just really want to lead us to see what Jesus does in this situation. And so uh, we're going to read John 4, verses 1 through 9. 
I'm used to my Bible, so I can find it, you know, quicker. <laughs> so now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had uh, heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And so as we see, Jesus is in another place, you know, interacting with people that, that don't like Jews, you know, people that Jews don't like, you know. And while he's speaking to her, you know, it just really shows God's heart for those people. And so to even dive deeper into what the Samaritans were like, I'm going to read from Desiring God by John Piper. Uh, He says, the Samaritans were leftovers from the northern Jewish kingdom who had intermarried with foreigners after the chiefs and nobles were taken into exile in 722 B.C. They had once built the separate worship place on their own Mount Gerizim. They rejected all of the Old Testament except their own version of the first five books of Moses. Their animosity toward Jews, such as Jesus, was centuries old. And so we see that Jesus is interacting with someone that doesn't, you know, like Jews, and Jesus is a Jew, and he's invited into their, into their city. And so it shows God's heart for all people. You know, even Jesus did it. You know, that's what Paul is following in his example. And so... You know, that just shows that God doesn't call us to stay in our comfort zones. You know, God wants us to share his heart with all people so that they know that he is inviting them into his family. And so being a church of the city is seeking its welfare, becoming all things to the city and inviting them into our family. And so I'm going to share a little bit about my story coming to the Refuge Church. Um, You know, back in 2011, I became a true follower of Christ. Um, and so, you know, my experience in church back home, you know, I'm used to all black churches, you know, like you come in with the soup, you shouting hallelujah, amen, you know, the organ playing, the tambourine, all of that. That's what I'm used to. You know, that's where I come from. And so when I came to the refuge, you know, I was the only African-American male in the church at that time. And so, um, you know, I had close relationships with a few people. And so I wasn't used to people wearing flannels. I wasn't used to plaid shirts, you know. I wasn't <laughs> you know, and I mean, y'all did, y'all did rub off on me. You know, I do like plaid and flannel now, you know. And so uh, I just wasn't used to being around people who haven't uh, experienced my struggle in life. Uh, the struggles that I had in life, like my own kind, like, you know, African-Americans have, you know, we've experienced the same struggle. And so I wasn't used to being around people that just haven't experienced that, you know, but, um, you know, it was just God shaped my heart throughout that process, you know, uh, 
he began to show me that church isn't about what I prefer. You know, it's about his family that he's putting together, you know, because we're all different in different ways. You know, um, it's not about what I do or don't like. You know, it's about being a part of the family, seeing you all as family, engaging in each other's culture, you know, and uh, not shying away just because I don't like chai tea or acoustic guitars. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> and so, if you look at my playlist, I got a lot of the soulful gospel on there, like the southern soulful gospel. So, you know, if you want some, I can hook you up. <laughs> and so uh, this was huge for me working in the streets and the schools because, um, you know, I began to see, like, every kid as someone that God loves, God cares about. You know, regardless if it was a gang member or someone who likes basketball, you know, whenever I'm out in the schools, like, kids used to just flock around me because it was like, oh, yeah, he's a rapper. Oh, yeah, he dresses like me. He looks like me and all those things. But you know, even just being here at the refuge just shaped my heart to, you know, go and talk to the person who may be alone sitting on the wall or or someone who, who likes to play magic cards or may seem socially awkward or whatever, you know. And so, um, you know, God's heart is for all people. And so um, same thing, you know, for here, like, you know, we can uh, enjoy one another, you know, but what if someone is here that doesn't feel connected or doesn't feel like home? And so we have to show that same heart for those people, too, that God, God wants you in his family. And we have to seek them out like Paul did. And so are we not being a church of the city because of what we prefer? You know, are we not engaging in the cultures of others because it's different than our own? You know, and uh, so today I just want to leave you guys with with three things of being a church in the city. And, you know, my hope is that we really take this and we really get active. You know, we really take this and apply it to our lives, you know, not just listen to it and put it on the shelf. Okay, that's for later, you know, but that we really get involved. You know, there's a lot of things we can be doing, especially, you know, here at the Coffee Oasis. And so uh, first, you know, meeting others where they are at, you know, not expecting them to conform to our culture, you know, actually going out in the city where people are at. Um, you know, that, that could mean, you know, going to the, you know, going to the waterfront with your kids or whatever, you know, having a conversation with someone, you know, or going to city events, you know, uh, even volunteering in our youth oasis center or something, you know, uh, you know, just a lot of kids here, you know, at the coffee oasis don't feel like they have family. And so us being a church family, you know, we should be inviting them in. And uh, second, you know, being intentional in our interactions. As we see Paul, um, you know, he engaged in their culture without compromising, like he was still sharing the gospel. You know, um, just not allowing our relationships or our friendships as we go out in the city just to be, you know, about superficial. Like, it's so easy to get into this mode of, oh, we talk about football every time we see each other, you know, or, oh, we t- all we talk about is sports. You know, really share your life, who you are. You know, being a Christian, being a Christ follower, you know, is a part of who you are. So being willing to share that and being excited about it. And so um, third is invitation. You know, um, as we're invited into their lives, let's invite them into the kingdom of God. Let's invite them into the family. Um, That's what God did for us and so that they can worship him. And so my hope is that you take those three things and, um, you know, just get involved. 
you know, we're, we're here together. We do this together. You know, it's not just someone alone. So, uh, yeah, let us pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for it today, God, as we continue uh, to talk through the things that we wrestle with, God, and God, help us just become a church of the city, God, seeing your heart for all people, knowing that you want all people to be a part of your family and to experience the love that we have received and that we have experienced. God, whatever we take away from this today, God, help us to apply that to our lives, God, and really seek out others. And God, uh, we just thank you for who you are, God. We just thank you that we're able to worship you, God. And let us just invite others into that, into worshiping you, God. And we just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.